Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Kinfolk, let us pray. Holy God who sends us, send a word. Amen. When I lived in southwest Michigan, the very first church I ever served, it was a little Disciples of Christ church just outside of Kalamazoo. And they were a small church, tight-knit, similar to St. John's, not quite as big, but they had a ministry of sponsoring harvests. This is they would raise some money and give it to a farmer. The farmer would raise their crops and then send a portion of that to the hungry in other countries. It was a really beautiful little ministry, and <laughs> it taught them a lot about farming that they might not have otherwise known. They got to know these farmers really well. And I was informed, because the Disciples of Christ churches, the Christian church, disciples, a little different than the UCC. In, 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 the, in the Disciples of Christ, the, the, the clergy are really kept on a short leash. They don't, they don't let you make stuff up. So I was informed that I would be going out to bless some fields. And I said, oh, ble uh, of course, they taught us how to do that in seminary. I I'm blessed. I'll bless anything. I'll, ble I'll bless you. If you're having car troubles, I'll bless your car. We can see how it works. So I went out, and, and, and I had to bless a field. And farmers get up early, and I was to be there at sunrise, and it was hotter than Zoo Blitz on that day. And I went out there in my big, this is back when I used to wear the fancy clergy robes and whatnot. And I didn't know what to do. I just brought some water. I thought, crops like water. And I can just put, put the water on. And there is a farmer out there. And then there was a half a dozen elders from the church. And that farmer, he looked like he was about 160 years old. And <laughs> he was watching me, and I, I prayed, you know, Lord, please make the corn grow. And the farmer said, we're growing soybeans. And I said, <laughs> Lord, make the soybeans grow, and I put the water and all, all that sort of stuff. But I noticed uh, afterwards, back of the field, he had set some trees that he'd planted in neat rows. And I asked him about those trees. He said, uh, those are for my grandchildren. They are uh, black walnut. So when they get big, they'll be able to sell the wood from those trees and maybe pay for their kids' college or something. I thought the foresight that that man had, those trees couldn't have been more than six feet tall. He was going to be long <laughs> gone by the time those trees reach maturity. But he had this elegant kind of carefree approach to that investment that he was making on behalf of people he would never meet. That man understood more about God's abundant blessings, mercy, and steadfast faith than I don't think I'll ever be able to learn. Because he was a farmer. He trusted. He knew that those trees would grow. I've spent the rest of my life since then trying to get people to surrender, 
surrender their anxiety and their fear of the future and their, their terror about scarcity and relax and know that the black walnut trees will grow and provide for their great-grandchildren in the same way that whichever blessed saint in glory planted these gorgeous maple trees here knew that they would be here for us, whether they were here or not. Jesus is telling his disciples, look, I've got to send you on a journey. It's not going to be a lot of fun. It's they're, they're, most of the people aren't going to want to see you. And he knows that their first impulse is going to be to attempt to take every effort they can to keep themselves safe on the road. They're going to take money and extra clothes and all this sort of stuff. He says, please don't do that. Don't take any money. They're going to feed you. You're going to find friends. You're going to find fellow travelers. God's grace is abundant. Trust me. And they do, and they, they save lives. They, they journey out, and the Spirit of God is all around them. And they tell people, the kingdom of God is here. <laughs> this is, I have a, a lot of you know that jo Jojo and I raise chickens. And we have about a dozen new little little birdies we just put into our uh, chicken coop area. It's more like a compound for chickens. It, it, it's, it's a very extensive chicken, uh, like, they're free-range bird. They do what they want. My chickens walk all over me. But... <laughs> One of the issues that I've been having this year that I haven't had in past years is um, for some reason there's been a massive influx of raccoons. Now, I dealt with possums before. Possums are, you know, I love possums. I, I think possums are a good animal. A raccoon, however, you cannot reconcile a chicken to a raccoon. For whatever reason, during creation, God said, thou shalt be mortal enemies until the end of time. Raccoon will kill every chicken just out of spite. So I have to trap them. I have to, I have to use live traps and, and, and snares. And these are the, I learned how to snare when I was a, a Boy Scout and I was younger. These are the little snares that I use. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not a violent device, but it keeps the raccoons out. And I have these set up around the area. And it's just a loop of wire. It, it's, I know some of y'all, especially if you grew up in the country, you set snare lines and things like that. I don't use the, the traps, the spring traps. It's just too, too violent. But a snare is a very simple device, and when an animal passes through without even knowing it, the snare closes. And that's it for an animal. Now, if you're a person, you can get out of a snare. The secret to getting out of a snare, and this thing would be useless if raccoons could figure this out, you've got to relax. That's it. You get caught in a snare, you start to fight against it, and it gets tighter and tighter. And the more you fight, the tighter the snare closes. There's a lot of references to snares in the Bible. The secret to getting out of a snare is to just relax. That's it. Now, I think that 
There are people who set snares for us. Y'all know that just as well as anybody. There are people out there who set snares in our path in the hopes that we'll wander into it. And when we're trapped, we'll panic and start to pull against it and get caught harder. I think that Jesus knew when he was sending the disciples that there would be snares on their path. And he didn't want them to make ready for a fight. He wanted them to relax. Just relax. And you'll walk right out of that snare. There are two prevailing mindsets in this society. I always like to follow that up by saying there's people who divide things into binaries and people who don't. But we have in this culture created an economy that is based on scarcity. The notion that there just isn't enough to go around. And you got to get yours or else somebody else is going to get it. Because the world's like pie or musical chairs or something like that. Somebody's always going to get left out. Now I can tell you, I can stand up here and pray to God and ask the Holy Spirit to take that away from you. But we're West Michiganders, so we're sensible people. So I have to use like math and science to prove this stuff to y'all. And I've told you this before, but right now, the global farming output of the planet Earth is 4,000 calories per person per day. All the agriculture on the planet Earth right now produces 4,000 calories per human per day. So if you know a little bit about science, you know that that's more than twice as much food as we as a species need to survive. And yet people starve. If we took the food that we feed to animals, like those soybeans and whatnot, and we just ate that ourselves, we'd have more than 7,000 calories per person per day. And yet, I hear people say there isn't enough to go around, that food is scarce. I see people starve. I go downtown Grand Rapids and I see people pulling food out of dumpsters. In America, the richest country in the world, the only thing that stands between the needy and the things they need to survive is human sin greed and arrogance. That's it. The way God set this thing up was to provide for all, to create a world of abundance, a world where even today we could double the global population and still have enough food to feed everybody. But yet, we let this snare, this idea of scarcity, trick us into believing that there isn't going to be enough for us. And so we pull harder and harder, and the snare gets tighter and tighter. When Jesus sends the disciples out into the world, he says, you don't need to take any earthly goods with you. There's more than enough to go around. I know that the world was built on abundance. I was there when it was created. That same abundance, that same 
incredible generosity, mercy, that came from God, Jesus gives to us. Now, I'll just say one more thing, because it's, it is Pride Month, and we are in the midst of a te terrible fight in this country uh, uh, about how we should treat uh, our gay and lesbian and, and transgender brothers and sisters and kinfolk and children of God. And all of that fight is rooted in an attitude of scarcity. And it's madness to me. At no point, at no point does God remove God's image from any single human being. And so for us to do so, for us to say, you're welcome in the church, but you're not because of the way you are, is to stand in the place of God and say, I know who's in and who's out. That's not only a snare that traps us. It's a blasphemy. It's blasphemy. So we do fly a pride flag. And we, we, we aren't ashamed of our love for all people in the United Church of Christ because we believe that that's the basic mode of operation for Christians is to be the people who say there is enough to go around for everybody. There's enough love. God's mercy is big enough for everybody. And we know that because it was big enough for us. So, it's Father's Day. It's good to relax. It's good to pull the string on the parachute. Let the parachute do what it does. That's God's love. It's not something that you've got to fight for or chase down. It's not something that you can purchase with money or you get, uh, you get all your resources together and then God will give it to you. It's there. It's all around you. All you have to do is surrender. It's surrender. That's it. The snare opens. The parachute fills. The rainbow shines if you just give in to God's love. It's there for you. It's there for you. Amen? Amen.